Okay. Um, so if anyone has any backup questions for if anyone in Monavon doesn't have any questions, you can just message me. Um, so Grudev, do you want to get started? Is there anything you want to share before you take questions? Well, it's nice to be with you. Well, we have a nice group of devotees here still. We had an interesting week with the passing of Dulal Chandra and a nice observance here and, um, and um, the observance there in North Carolina where you are. Uh, seems to be quite nice as well. Uh, when I was speaking about Dulal Chandra, I had mentioned uh, towards the beginning of the talk that when I was speaking about his earlier life that he had a son and then I would come back and touch um, connect with that point again at the end I, I didn't come I didn't get around to doing that but it's worth mentioning that uh, what I wanted to say is that his son became a devotee after 40 years or so um, and uh, I met him the last time I was there Padmanabh Marshes met him also when he was there and um, he seems to have some uh, you know bhakti scars for it because Dulal, who started the site for my talks, uh, reached the present one at least, um, so many talks on there, I guess he, his son got in touch with him over something and he directed him towards that. And he listened to my discourse on the Ramananda Sampad, which is a pretty esoteric section of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. In fact, uh, any, yeah. Pujipachitamars told us that Bhagavad Gita starts to talk with him, let his disciples read that section, along with some other sections. And of course, that was Shidamars' favorite section. So you have to understand sometimes the relativity of certain instructions that the Guru may give according to time and circumstance. Obviously, he read the Ramananda Sambhad, et cetera. Anyway, it's esoteric. It's instructive. I mean, it's, it's the Bhagavad Gita respoken, so to speak, where uh, Arjun becomes the, uh, the uh, takes the role of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita and Krishna takes the role of Arjun. Um, Krishna asks the questions and Arjun, in this case, Ramananda Roy, uh, gives the answers. So at any rate, um, he listened to that and uh, he was convinced that, that this was his, how he should uh, um, orient himself in terms of meaning and purpose in life. I was inspired by that. And uh, um, and so, yeah, he, he you know, he, 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 of course, tuned into the, to the discourse that uh, but um, the, the event, really, in which I had a discourse uh, concerning his father's passing, and he, along with his mother and others, and they were inspired. His mother was once living at Uvrindavan years ago, where I guess I think he may have been born in Uvrindavan or close by. Um, Eric is his name. Um, she had been out of touch for a long time, but apparently, the way I spoke about Nubrindavan and events in Duval's life and so forth, and the life of some others, many others, and I referred to less than ideal circumstances when we find ourselves. 
even in circumstances that were plugged in that were supposed to be favorable, turned out not to be, and so forth. Um, she got inspired by that as well. He wrote to me about that, Eric, recently. So that's a beautiful um, part of the story. Forgive me for leaving it out. Eric Kijai. <laughs> and I, I think you'll come and visit with me um, when I return to North Carolina in March for Orpreneum Festival there. So um, I heard you got a storm coming there. Is that true? Um, like the snowstorm? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's still here, kind of. Um, yeah, we still have power, so that's good. <laughs> Thanks for asking. What did you say about power? Um, I still have power, um, but have I feel like, yeah, so. Dr. Um, Ross told me that if I try to get in touch with her over the next two days, she might not have power, and that's why she wouldn't respond. So I assume there yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they have more snow over there, um, but. Yeah. She's on the call. So anyway, okay. That's enough of the introduction for this moment. Let's go ahead and take the questions. Okay. Uh, yeah, there. The group here. Probably not. Yes. Zach has a question. Yeah. Zach's from North Carolina also. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um so I have a question about kind of interacting with others who are outside of the practice. Um, I know this sometimes myself, you know, going out of, you know, an environment like this into another environment where bhakti may not be at the forefront of everyone's minds. Um, how to um, inter interact in that environment and find um, maybe bhakti places that are not there um, mm -hmm. and not develop perhaps like a superior superior mentality less like bomb and devotee these people are they're just you know illusion yeah did you hear the question yes i came. did yeah so i assume it came through clearly to everyone uh so thanks for the question zach um yeah difficult um no, it's not so difficult. Uh, of course, it's uh, very much um, underscored that is the importance of keeping association that's favorable uh, for bhakti that will be supportive of our bhakti and to avoid association that is not favorable or conducive. Um, that said, what constitutes association um, may mean more than how uh, we think of it at first. Um, I would say that uh, the full idea of association is the exchange of ideas and thoughts and uh, um, feelings and so forth. And a lot of times, if we're living in an ashram or visiting an ashram, um, and then we are back in our normal situation or we have to leave the ashram for something, for some service. Then we're in touch with all types of people, maybe relatives, friends, employees, people of the world in, in general. <clears throat> and just because we bump into them, um, say hi, are polite, um, to ask them, you know, how's the weather and so forth. It doesn't really constitute the spirit of 
what it means to not associate them, not associate with the ideas that they entertain and to embrace those ideas. Now, the stronger one is in bhakti, the more one can entertain those ideas and then reply to them or having heard them, um, uh, think about them in relation to one's own practice and understand the, uh, the difference or the shortcomings of them comparatively and so on and so forth. So when we say don't associate with other, with non-devotees, uh, there's a lot of other things built into that. What kind of a devotee are you? How much do you know? How far along are you on the path? Um, what, what kind of people who aren't devotees are you going to associate with? Are you going to associate with them to, to share the ideas with them or is it just circumstantial? Uh, so all those things have to be considered, right? Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, person like yourself, you, you, you say you're living in the ashram or visiting and then you get a lot of insight, inspiration and take up the path and so forth and then have to go elsewhere for whatever reason, um, then obviously it can be a little bit uh, bewildering. You've been in an environment where everyone's on the same page and so it's supportive and suddenly you've got this head and heart full of ideas and inspiration and so forth. And it's not exactly uh, the, uh, the course that, that everybody wants to sit down to, to and, and dine with you about, over, uh, discuss, digest, relish, um, and so forth. So, you know, what do you, how do you, how do you interact with them? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, uh, I think that you have to interact with people uh, um, in terms largely of how they want to interact with you, um, um, lightly uh, consider it uh, because you're a devotee, you'd be a kind person, a considerate person, a thoughtful person. Um, and uh, you can be that without having to talk about bhakti to them necessarily, without having them tell them Krishna is God and, uh, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, what I'm describing is try to be a normal person um, who has an ideology that he holds or she holds very dear to the heart, but at the same time, you know, it's a bit of a radical ideology and not one that will be shared by the vast majority of people um, who I may have to interact with sometimes. So I'll interact with them in terms of how I have to interact with them and with their, their humanness and be an example of a good human being to them that might possibly in the course of that interaction cause them to uh, be inspired by your personhood and inquire from you a little bit about what you're, what you're all about. Where, where, where have you been? And then there's a small opening in other words, you, you associate in such a way as, as, if possible, by your example, to create a window of uh, what we might say a teachable moment. Someone has, create some curiosity. So that if, I don't tell people about bhakti unless they ask me for the most part, people I have to interact with who aren't devotees and not many of them ask. I'm just nice to them and just interact with them in terms of what, how I have to interact and 
so on and so forth. It's typically not a philosophical discussion. <laughs> um, and, um, and as I say, if, if, they, if they like you, if they like me, um, then, then there may become, if the association is ongoing, there may be an opportunity where by your, the way you conduct yourself and so forth, that, that should be exceptional. If you, have, if you actually have an exceptional worldview, it includes or involves you becoming an exceptional person, a humble person, right? Thoughtful person, kind person, um, considerate person, open-minded person, and so forth. All these things are attractive, right? So there are aspects of Krishna who's all attractive. So if those aspects show up in you, people be attracted to you, want to associate with you, maybe want to know more, at which point then you can share some of your insight when they've uh, shown an appetite for a little for a little interest in it. As far as not being proud, what, what do you have to be proud of? Just because you have a, a, you think that you think right now that you have found out what life's about, you figured it all out. You turned left, and there it was, um, Krishna consciousness. Well, you know your faith in that is good. It has to be tested though with other thoughts, other ideologies. What is, the, what is the implications of this ideology in depth going forward and so forth? So it's uh, something that you're growing in. You have some shraddha, initial shraddha, initial faith through sadhu sangha. You've met people who are inspired by this. And it's basically by the example of their inspiration that you've inquired further, right? That's how it happened to you. So same way, you can do that to some extent uh, with, with others. But there's nothing to be proud of. How much do you understand of bhakti? I mean, you've been coming to my classes, some percentage you understand, right? You think you understand a pretty good percentage, but in my experience, after I give a class, often I ask the questions, I realize half the people only stand, understand half of what I'm talking about. <laughs> and as though I've labored very hard to explain it in great depth um, and with analogies and so on and so forth. So. It's like a language, you know, it takes time really to learn, become fluent in. So you don't have much to be proud about. You only know something about it, a little bit, good amount, enough to feel enthused that this, that, that this is really worth uh, pursuing and perhaps more so than anything else you've heard. And I agree with you, uh, but there's much to learn on the one hand. And then learning the theory is one thing, realizing it, is a, is a whole other thing, right? So you could have a head full of knowledge of what uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, but does it, does your heart or, you know, um, respond to it? Is it something just as a circling around in your head that you that regurgitate and, and whenever you get the opportunity so that people think you know something and you're living on the false pride that you're some kind of a type of a philosopher or, you know, above everybody else and so on and so forth. That's not a good, that's not what we're doing. This has to go in the ear and then go into the heart and bring about a change in your, in your life. And that example is how you will teach others. And it, and it will be the measure by which we, we determine how much you or anyone else, any of us really knows how we act will determine how much we know. So that said, even if you do know the philosophy, even if you have allowed it to enter and change your heart, well, which if you do, if you have, you'll be humble because you'll know that everything that I know, everything that has 
all the positives in my life that have come from this center of which is my own realization of what I am and my prospect is, um, is all a product of, uh, of, of the grace of, uh, of uh, the Vaishnavas, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his mission. That's something I came up with on my own. Uh, so I'm proud that I can be a humble member of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. I'm proud to be a humble member. Hmm? There's nothing to be proud about. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has mandated this. In fact, when he said, turn out a piece of the one should be more humble than a blade of grass. And with this uh, type of uh, disposition, uh, chant the holy name, and then your course will be straight. But if you let pride get in the way, then that would be very um, a big obstacle. Pratishta is a word that we use to describe kind of the false pride of thinking you've gone somewhere and you're above others um, and you want to bring attention to yourself. No, you're not doing that, but I'm just elaborating on this point. This pride in the te his teachings to the mind, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami wrote a book, Teaching to the Mind. So, you know, you're, you're, culture and Krishna consciousness and you've got your mind you know, to deal with with his, with his tricks and so forth. And, so, and, and there I think he's described um, Pratishta as pride and we see it in devotees. It's very unbecoming. As the dog eating woman. A dog eating woman? Dancing. Crazy dog eating paria dancing with his heart. Yeah, yeah. And another place perhaps somewhere I think he's also referred to it as, um, as the stool of a pig and pigs eat stool of other animals. So what must be the stool of a pig? It's very undesirable, this pride in a devotee. It's very much an obstacle. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has described it as the, as the um, kind of like the, the, that attitude is the genesis of all types of other Anarthas. So we should avoid that. We have only thing to be proud of is that, 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 we, that we, we've been, we've been, uh, of the, uh, we're proud of who Krishna is, who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, who our teachers are. We're proud to be humble students of them and recipients of their grace. So those kind of things we should think about that can help us to avoid that pitfall. Mm -hmm. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. What else? Sure. Send one question. And excuse me. Yeah, I think I think you should also think. You should realize that you're a devotee. You're devotees. You're also people of this world. You're still very much in your sadhakas. So you're in this in between space. You're not just ordinary, buddhajivas, anadi buddhajivas. You're sadhakas, but you're not siddhas. So don't artificially, in some artificial way, but just imagine yourself to be entirely different than everybody else. You can't even relate to them. You'd be an ordinary person. Talk to them um, uh, and, and so forth. There's still a lot of humanness to you. Now you have to spiritualize your humanness, but it's, you can't just ignore it. Yes, you're not the body, but you can't just ignore it. Hmm? And say I'm not the body, therefore, even if it's sick, well, I'm not the body, so I, I shouldn't do anything about it. Maybe a point where you're like, do all you're going to leave the world? That's another thing. But I mean, no, 
And that goes for the mind too. You may have psychological issues that are problems that put you out of balance materially, make it difficult for you to apply yourself in practice. So take an aspirin, see a, you know, see a psychologist or whatever it is. Um, you have to, you have to identify with your humanness and with your devotedness. You have to make the balance larger on the devotee side, but that takes time. Mm -hmm. takes time. And what I'm saying is that you know, I want you to have an integrate integrate Bodhi Vaishnavism organically into your life instead of making it this artificial add-on that you put up here and you got a lot of this jargon and and uh, uh, Gaudiya speak that nobody else can understand it, and you think they understand it. Uh, this reminds me of an example when Prabhupada left the world. <laughs> uh, I remember that I was in the temple uh, and, that I, and I learned about that I had announced it to all the devotees. So the next day, one of the devotees called the, uh, the newspaper in town and said, I wanted to let you know that A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada has left the world. He wanted to have a report on it. The guy said, Where did he go? You know, what are you talking about? You know, some miracle is happening. He left the world. What, what like, you know, this is a phrase like, you know, Prabhupada might use. And, you know, we would like, whatever Prabhupada said, we would say, we would talk with the same intonation of Prabhupada when we were young and so forth and so on, like broken English, you know. <laughs> I think it was spiritual. My godbrother, Tamal Krishnamaraj, once told me that he thought that to, uh, express the affirmative spiritually hmm, through body language, you would go like this. Yes, yes. Because when if you ask Prabhupada, you said, yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Whereas the material way hmm, would be like this, up and down. Hmm. He said, and then I went to India and I said, everybody goes, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you, 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 you don't want to just um, have this tack on, so to speak, but you want to integrate your, your spirituality into, into your humanness and, and spiritualize entirely your humanness. And after all, Krishna is human-like, right? So he's completely transcendental and completely human at the same time. So that's your task. If you want to learn to be Aprakat Leela, you have to be completely human and completely spiritual at the same time. Hmm? That's the trick. So I'm sorry, because you had a question. Yeah, it's kind of a different topic. You know, someone has to like a follow-up question just in case to interrupt the conceptual flow. If we don't have any follow-up on that here or there, mm -hmm. we have one. Sajjan is raising his hand. I can see it now. Jai Hare Krishna. Um, yes, uh, it's so. Wow, it's so uh, amazing what you just shared um, because it really what you what you spoke about um, association um, and especially without pride uh, is you've really described so um, so much uh, what my life has been like here in Crestone, Colorado since May uh, since there is no. Uh, I, I believe I'm the only uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava here in, in the whole town, oh. and um, and and of course with my uh, speaking on the Bhagavatam here to a small group, um, 
it's definitely been a very, very uh, 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 impactful and affecting experience uh, being here and offering that service here. And um, I, I can't emphasize enough how much being here with you uh, on Sunday mornings um, is so valuable to me as being my, uh, my higher association and, and like that. Hare Krishna. Yes. And also um, what you mentioned about Pratishta, um, I was wondering, I, I used to hear a phrase uh, in the community of the Sri uh, Chaitanya Saraswat Math community that all, all pratishta is given to Baladev or Gurudev, all ka, uh, Kamini uh, to Krishna, uh, the lover of, of all ladies, uh, and all Kanak is given to Sri Radha or to Sri Lakshmi Devi. What is, how does that go exactly? I never heard that before, but the obvious uh, sense, theological sense of it is that uh, that Balaram is, is uh, strong and powerful and curbs, can curb one's pride as he did Pralambasura, hmm? Dhenakasura. These are big leelas where Balaram is brought to the, to the fore to uh, demonstrate his prowess in dealing with uh, pride. Um, the pride of a jackass, Dana Kasura, for example. Um, so, um, and Krishna, of course, is is the lover. So, what he what is Pratishta pride? Uh, Balaram take that away. Is the idea, uh, or, or uh, and Kama, uh, lust. Well, Krishna turns. He's called, his Rasa Lila is called Kam Vijay, victory over Kam. Hmm? He converted Cupid. It was a perfect setting. <laughs> Cupid, young boy in the forest at night with young girls, full moon. Cupid thought, this is a piece of, piece of cake here. Uh, we go and, and, uh, and uh, shoot my arrows and they'll be, It'd be finished and exposed before before everybody for their infatuation with one another and of course Cupid himself got converted so therefore Krishna is sometimes called Madan Mohan who's who's enchanter of Cupid right and then Sri Lakshmi is only the partial expression of Sri Lakshmi so every might there I don't I think this might be something relative to Sri Chaitanya Maybe, Marge, you've heard of it elsewhere. I heard a similar version of that quote, not belonging exclusively to Sri Chaitanya which is called something like, all money or Lakshmi belongs to Narayan, all women belong to Krishna, and all the fame belongs to the Guru, maybe in connection with Balaji. Oh, so different, different ideas, similar ideas. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I believe somebody, I believe originally uh, one devil text uh, Guru Maharaj a question, how does one um, get rid of or avoid Kanak, Kamini, and Pratishta? And so this, the answer was given that, you know, uh, in this way that uh, all Kanak is given to, I guess, Radha, but that's what I'm inquiring about. And all ka Kanak, Kamini for Krishna and Pratishta for Bala Baladev or Gurudev, like that. Yeah, I mean, you can try it. 
The idea being that if you if you find yourself with feelings of Patishta, you can think of Balaram and ask him to help you, right? If you think oh, I need money, you can think of Radha and say, what is the wealth of your brain? And how uh -huh. please replace my petty desire for, for a false idea of wealth with the wealth of the riches of your brain. And if you think of lusty affairs of Krishna, you are you are Kambi Jai. So please help me conquer over this. So this is this is the simple idea that's being expressed there. And obviously it has some power if you can train your mind when these things come up, or rather than to be swayed by them, rather than entertain them, rather than, rather than to give them an inch by which they will take a mile and you'll be way down the road later on thinking, what the heck happened? How did I do this? Instead, you catch it at, you have to nip it at the bud before it flowers. I don't let it have no chance to fruit, right? That is the idea. Um, and this is a positive way of thinking about that because it's just to do this unto itself, well, unto oneself on the, on the basis of one's own mental, intellectual, physical strength. Well, you've been failing at that forever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so bring Krishna into your life and these are different uh, manifestations of Krishna, Radha, his internal Shakti, Balaram, his elder brother, and so on and so forth. By bringing them into your life simply in this way, by thinking of them, petitioning them, then you have um, resources beyond that, that extend beyond your own limited, you know, your own limited resources are products of the very problems you're trying to get rid of because your mind, your intellect, your body, these are all products of your own karma. I'm going to help you get out of the karma. <laughs> you have to bring us help from the near goon, from beyond the gunas, if you will. So try it. Thank you, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Yes, now we go with uh, another question. Of course, Kishore's question. Kishore is asking Is it sometimes hard for Subal to share the extent of Radha's separation? knowing how it may affect Krishna. Uh, you get to go there and find out about that. <laughs> I think you have to, otherwise, you look at these examples of these very elevated spiritual interactions between Krishna's associates um, through the lens of uh, our human experiences, which they mirror, if you will, or which our human experiences are but uh, reflections of. Mm -hmm. We get some insight into them. We can, for the most part, um, be assured or conclude that uh, that holds such experiences that we have in that regard may, might hold up. Subal is the expert of all of the people of Braj, of all of the Parshadas of Krishna, all of his associates, the most expert in being able to uh, bring Radha and Krishna together at a time when their love has taken a turn, mm -hmm. such that uh, Radha is, for good reason or for no reason, upset with Krishna and unwilling to um, entertain his, uh, his overtures mm -hmm. uh, to meet difficult time for, for both of them. But of course, this is example of love, how it moves in a crooked way. Don't get in between, uh, you know, a lover's quarrel by taking one side or another. That's good advice because they both end up probably 
not liking him, but in Ball's case, he is in between, and they both end up liking him. So, <laughs> so it's a little different than the human human experience, perhaps. But he's very expert. So, um, and what was the question exactly to, to, to address it? So why is able to? Is it hard for Suval sometimes to share the extent of Radha's suffering in separation from Krishna, knowing how much Krishna will be affected by knowing it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I would say that. Um, um, he's expert in what he does. And he will uh, prevail as as a result. Some tasks may be more difficult than others. Some messages, some conditions, more difficult than others to convey. It's a relative thing. His expertise in all these things is to be underscored. And it goes to say that there are difficulties in Subal's role. <laughs> Having to disguise himself sometimes as Radha and live in the house of uh, her mother-in-law and pretend that he's her while she goes in his outfit and, and, and disguises himself to meet with Krishna. That's pretty difficult. It could be more difficult than that. He has, he has to talk with her. He has to imitate her voice to the mother-in-law and cook on the stove and so on. So he's expert. So you should be confident in his expertise. Another question? Radna, any questions there? Um, Shama Sundar said that he had a question. Oh, okay. Oops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Let's see. Right. Um, well, um, I've addressed this uh, kind of question in uh, more broadly recently. Very briefly, I will again. Um, the question is, who's who? Who amongst Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates is who or what in Krishna's Leela? Mm -hmm. About which there are any number of well, a number of opinions. Um, from uh, learned devotees and associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and opinions differ um, at times and so on and so forth. So there's no absolutes here other than there's a general consensus that everyone agrees with on somebody. Everybody seems to agree that Rupa Goswami is Rupa Manjari. Not everybody agrees 
who Ramananda Roy is or who Advaita Acharya is, or and there's, there's a lot of different opinions. Um, and you're free to choose the one that uh, works best for your bhajan, if you know how to do bhajan. Um, and, uh, and, and that um, is, a, you know, is, a, is, a, is that, a, that knowing is, happens to be a factor in that. Um, so, just like, for example, if, if you were to do bhajan and sakirasa, then there are different opinions who are the Dwadasa Gopals in, in Krishna Leela that have appeared in Gorlila as associates of Nityananda Prabhu and so forth. There are different opinions over the centuries. Um, and so uh, that may be relative to your bhajan and then you may choose in ways that um, work best for the, that uh, culture of the inner, inner life for you. So that's a liberty that can be taken on the part of a more advanced devotee. Otherwise there are different opinions and uh, it's good to know theoretically, how they arrive at those, um, and so forth. And from studying books like Gorganadishtipika and others, of which there are a number, we can get the, the spirit of that. That said, uh, yes, in Gorganadishtipika, one book that has certain opinions, I believe it is mentioned that, that, that Madhavindrapuri is a Kalpavriksha tree. Kalpavriksha tree means a, a wish-fulfilling tree. Hmm? Trees of grudge. They fulfill all desires. The problem is nobody wants anything except Krishna Prem and they already have it. It's not really a problem, but it's it, it does attract people who think I could go there and get whatever I want from the tree, let me go. Of course, then as they begin to proceed, they find out what the real wealth is and realize that as Dhruvamara said, I was looking for a piece of glass and I found a valuable jewel. So there are descriptions of the opulence, if you will, of Braj that include wish-fulfilling trees and cows and so on and so forth. It also means and the houses are built of jewels and so forth. It means something like, uh, you know, like uh, construction materials can be found on the side of the road. And, they're, they're, and then that's what, how they look at diamonds and uh, emeralds and just the rolling around, it's not, not a big thing because the real wealth there is the praying. So anyway, aside from that, uh, some introductory thoughts there or initial thoughts on the overall subject. Uh, you ask about Madhavindrapuri, it said in Gorbhandishtapika, he's a Kalpavrikshmitri of Braj. The question is, does that mean he's in Shantaras, which uh, then, the implication is that the questioner has, has, has um, a assumption that the trees of Vrindavan are in Shantarasa. So you have to look at your assumption first. That would be incorrect. Um, typically, it's been explained by the founding of charges that Shantarasa does not play a role in Braj. But four asas, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhurya do. Sometimes Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur may have included Shantaras in some ways and talked about so called inanimate things along those lines. Um, 
there may be a way to think about that, but the, the, the larger, um, the greater uh, uh, thinking in, in, in terms of volume amongst devotees, um, commentators, the charges, and so forth, is that these are the four rasas of Braj. And then there's a reason for that, because Shantarasa is typically, as Rupa Goswami explains, has uh, as its object of love, the Vishayalamban of the Paramatma feature, the four-armed form of the Lord. So um, also in Shantarasa, there's no praying. This is Nirmama. It has no sense of possessiveness that's characteristic of praying. From Shantaras, Bhaktiras Sindhu explains, one through association with someone in Dasaras or Sakiras could move from Shantaras to the Rasa that corresponds with the powerful association that he's having. That won't happen in Dasaras or Sakiras or Vatsaliras, having attained that Stai Bhav. That will never change. When Uddhava prays for to take birth in Braj as a gopi, he's not trying to change his rasa, which is dasiras, bundled together with sakya, and some, some element of, of sakya. He's admiring the intensity of their bhava, and which is that intensity of that bhava will come into his own. So there's no changing of rasas other than the possibility that in Shantaras, it's kind of, kind of a, well, we say it's a rasa, but um, it's not concerned with the leelas of Krishna. It's not concerned with the qualities of Krishna, associates of Krishna, only the beatific vision of, of four-armed Narayan. So from that explanation, conclusions have been arrived at uh, as to um, the, 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 there are only four rasas in Braj. And uh, so going with that then, uh, we should not assume that a tree in Braj is in Chandras necessarily. In fact, uh, from the trees and vines are uh, identified with Madhurasa. Hills are identified with Sakirasa. Cows are identified with Madhurasa. excuse me, I meant to say that. Cows, but clouds are identified with Sakirasa. Rain clouds, because they have the same color like Krishna. So their sameness and appearance. And, and they, they hold an umbrella over his head from the, sh from the shade hmm? in, the, in the heat of the summer. Hmm? So you know, there may be some other ways to describe to think about these things, but these are some of the prominent ways in which a charge is a thought about so-called inanimate things or uh, those species other than humans. Now, when you say cows have Vatsaliras, they won't have the full expression of, of Sakiras that you could experience in a human form in that, in the branch leela. And so holds true, you could say for the vines or trees that might be identified with Madhuri Rasa. But I think that um, in a larger sense, what Kavikarnapur is saying is that it's not that Kavikarna that 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 Madhavendrapuri is a kalpa riksha. Literally, he is a tree in Vrindavan 
he's saying that he is like a kalpa riksha tree. From him, then uh, the this uh, the desire of our sampradaya can be can be realized. Touch him, and so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu touched him through uh, Ishwar Puri, and here it begins, and so forth. So I, I would not look at that as literal uh, <laughs> description of Madhavendra Puri, which is to say, and this is true for, for a number of devotees, not all of them who are mentioned and so forth necessarily even have an identity um, in Braj. I would say Madhavendra Puri does what it is. He hasn't ventured to say. And for that matter, Madhavendra Puri is a little bit distant hmm, from Kapikarnapur. Hmm. He's elder. He's he's was very was very young in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very young in relation to Advaita Acharya, Advaita Charja, and um, Mahaprabhu's guru um, Ishwar Puri. Uh, he's young in relation to them. And they're young in relation to Madhavendra Puri. And so uh, what Kabikarnapur has done in terms of identifying different devotees in Gaur Lila, who they are in Krishna Lila, what bhavas we find in them that are similar to the bhavas that, that um, are personified in, in Krishna Lila, is he's asked different opinions and, uh, and, uh, and looked at sacred texts and so on and so forth. But uh, this is Madhavendra is more distant. Who even knew him? Hmm? Rupa Goswami didn't know him. Hmm? Some, some say Nityananda was initiated by him, but more likely by Lakshmi Patitirtha. Hmm? He may have never met Madhavendra Great to met. So there's not much to talk, you know, who talked to him, who met him, who felt he felt, felt he was like this, or who, who did, he, did he say anything to somebody? I identify myself like this, or so on and so forth, which we find in some instances and so on. Look at all the material we've presented about Prabhupada expressing his affinities for Sakyaras. This is like, that's a whole book of it. You know, one thing after another, after another, after another. So based on that, well, we, we have a pretty clear, maybe the Paran, very clear. This is what Prabhupada said about himself. So Puja Panchita Marsh said the same thing about it. Pramod Puri Marsh said the same thing. So we can come to a conclusion. Hmm? Still, it's not universally accepted because people don't listen to all the evidence that's presented for reasons of their own. But, um, but that said, I don't think the Kabyakarnapur had at his disposal any, any uh, measure or amount of information to build a case. Hmm? Thus, he may have looked at it in this way and just spoke about it in as like a fountain, a desire tree from which the whole thing comes into the world. Those are my thoughts. And it's Shantaraski Jai too, if you want it. <laughs> yes, um, there we can only uh, make uh, reasonable uh, conjectures about that. And I would say that um, um, many of the devotees who were elder 
elders of Mahaprabhu, seniors, the eight uh, sannyasis that are compared to the root of the metaphorical tree of love of God, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the tree with branches of Advaita and Nityananda, and the fruits are love of God and so forth, this metaphorical tree. The roots, these elderly sannyasis, who many of whom were, uh, it, would, it would appear, were initiated in the sannyas order through the, through the uh, lineage of Shankar. They have uh, names or sannyas titles that were prominent in the Shankar, Sampradaya like Ashram, Tirtha, Saraswati, Puri, Aranya, Giri, and so forth. I think he had 10 of them, 10 names. Uh, Paramananda Puri, Keshava Bharati, and so forth. We know for a fact that Keshava Bharati Marj was, yeah, took sannyas in the line of Shankar. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, Madhavendra Puri, okay, there's, there's a likelihood that he did as well. Now, sometimes he's identified with the Madhva Sampradaya, but in the Madhva Sampradaya, all of the sannyasis are given the title Tirtha. None of the sannyasis that I just mentioned in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association, the elders, have the title Tirtha. So someone may question, doesn't look like he would have, where he wouldn't have got the title Puri, the sannyas name, from the Madhva Sampradaya. Therefore, he shouldn't, he can't be from the Madhva Sampradaya. Therefore, he's a a, a, a Mayavadi. Hmm? Hold on. You're that would be really jumping ahead considerably. Hmm? Why? Um, because um, in the, those times, while there were uh, philosophical and theological differences between different sects, they don't seem to have been as strident and uh, as sometimes we find uh, in today's, uh, at other times, let's say. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it, was, it would not have been out of the ordinary for someone from one sampradaya to have accepted the sannyas order from uh, the, the Shankar sampradaya necessarily, necessarily. But that said, and aside from that, there are four principal monasteries established by Shankar. And one of them is the Govardhan Math in Puri. In Jagannath Puri, all of the priests who are the, what are those Brahmins called? Um, no, a certain type of Brahmin. They're, anyway, they're the Brahmins from the religious side of the mystical order of Shankar, Dvaita Vedanta. Smarta. Smarta Brahmins. So they're in charge of all the worship there. They do all the puja, they're Maya bodies. Hmm. They're affiliated with the, with the Shankar's moth there. Hmm. Jagannath is accepting offerings from them. Devotees are accepting 
the prashadam, which is famous, and so on and so forth. So you can see what I'm saying. There's a little more interaction and differences are there, but you know they break down at a certain point also, and don't become as big as they don't loom as large as we may think they do. Hmm. That said, in that Puri Mat, hmm, at one point, the famous Sridhar Swami, commentator on the Bhagavatam, ancient commentator, uh, he is listed in the log there in the books as being the head of the moth. So at one time, Sridhar Swami was the head of the moth in Jagannath Puri of Shankar. It's a pretty big Shankar. Who's ever the head of the Shankar moth now in the four months, four months, they'll go on four different elephants to the uh, to the uh, Kumbh Mela. You know, the Shankar's here, the Shankar's here. And it's a big deal. Hmm? So that was his position. But it's obvious at the same time from his commentary on the Bhagavatam that he departed from the teachings of Advaita Vedanta. And I should add, amongst the four moths of Shankar, that moth is the one moth in which bhakti is emphasized as a means to gyan. Therefore, all the temple worship for Jagannath and so on and so forth. In other words, more typically in the Advaitin Sampradaya, bhakti is for, well, for you know, less intelligent people, emotional people, not for sannyasis. It's good. You can factor some bhakti in. It can help you. you know, but, um, so that moth emphasizes that mm, to an extreme. Mm. So emphasizing bhakti, worshiping Jagannath, it's possible that their ideas could start to change. Mm. And it's very apparent from the commentary of Sridhar Swami that he was not, he's is not an awaiting commentary on, uh, on Srimad Bhagavatam. There are Advaitin elements. Hmm? But Jiva Goswami has reasoned, well, I think that those elements were kept in there to try to serve as bait to bring the Advaitins in the direction of this new found uh, uh, philosophical sensibilities in which there is Srup Shakti, in which the form of God is eternal. So if you won't find this in Advaita Vedanta. Hmm? Therefore, Mahabharata at the time very much respected the commentary of Sridhar Swami. Hmm? Um, here was Advaitin was Advaitin was very popular, widely circulating, and so forth. I mean, his own sannyas guru was 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 from the Advaitin sampradaya in some respects, and uh, here was a commentary by a famous Advaitin taking it in another direction hmm? that the Goswamis then took and built upon in their commentaries, always referring to Sridhar Swami in their commentaries. But um, for example, in the Sandarbhas, this is one of the authorities of Jiva Goswami and he frames it, as I said. So, so the, those elements of his, of his commentary that are having a Dwayton flavor to them, he, he's leaving those out. Yeah. So this is his idea, Jiva Goswami's idea. I think it has merit given that I think that there were a number of sannyasis that may have come out of the Puri Mat and been affiliated with the Shankar Sampradaya. And at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and, there, and, and prior to that as well, there was a huge bhakti revival or whatever, uh, 
bhakti um, thrust going on in the subcontinent of India, you know, where the Guru Nanak with the Sikhs, you have, um, what is his name, Kabir, you have Tukaram, to name a few. Most of them, uh, Tukaram perhaps not, but many of them had a near guna concept, a saguna conception of Nam. They all advocated Nam, Sat Nam, not Sat Nam. Uh, that 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 uh, as a po opposed to what Shankar says, hmm, that you have to take sannyas, you have to take birth as a Brahmin, and accept sannyas order and all that goes with it, the lifestyle, to attain mukti. They felt, and the people felt, and rightly so, that in their hearts that. We can have more direct communication with God. We're His people. <laughs> we're, 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 we're His Sheshatva. We, we come from Him. And so, to, answering to that kind of unspoken, to some extent, revolt against this monopoly that Shankar and the, and the um, smartness had on religion and mysticism in many quarters these uh, revolutionaries came out and emphasized just anybody from anywhere, any, any, any caste, chant the name of God and they directly communicate, have communion with, with, with God. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, Shaitanya Mahaprabhu's idea was Nirguna Nam as well. So um, that took it to, takes it to another level. And uh, the point is that these ideas were out and about. So these sannyasis, some of them, I would, we could reason, well, Madhavendrapuri was one of them. He came in touch with bhakti. And um, so uh, he began to culture it. This what grew in his heart. That at the same time, we may look at him as an eternal associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who, was his, who, he, who he is looked at, who he is looked looked at like that through the lens of uh, other associates of Mahaprabhu. So they would see this is a Leela for this, but he came in this way and uh, had a conversion. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself had a conversion and his Leela and so on and so forth. So I think that, uh, that uh, there's, uh, that's how I look at, at uh, Madhavendra Puri's pedigree, if you will. But now I should emphasize here that you can question how could he, but we can try to give a reasonable explanation, but what we can't deny is that he could. How could he, as if to say, I don't think it's possible, it is possible, otherwise how could Mahaprabhu be who he is and, 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 and receive what he did at least formally, from Ishwar Puri, who got it from Madhavendra Puri. Madhavendra Puri, if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, what I've got, I got from Madhavendra Puri, then we can't, we can't really say, how could he have got that? I don't think he had that. Well, we can't really say that, can we? Because we can, we can see that he got it. And he knows where he got it from. So <laughs> you can't really make much of an argument about it. It's like, it's, it's obvious that he had it. Where he got it is incidental. It's, it's academic. We can, you can, you, the, the reasoning is 
the opposite reason. He was a Shankar, he didn't have it, therefore, the, the, therefore it doesn't exist. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is a sannyasi. He told Ramananda Roy, I'm a, I'm a Maya body sannyasi. Hmm? He said that in Chaitanya Charitamrita. I heard one Maya body Shankar uh, leader, one of the leader contemporary, say that. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself has said, I am a Maya body to Ramananda Roy. I wish I was there because I would have said, oh, so you accept that. Hmm? Then you should accept everything else that's said in Chaitanya Charitamrita. <laughs> There's quite a bit more there that says uh, that would balance that out, if you will. Um, they use that kind of thing as therefore Chaitanya would actually. Then nobody see you see they cannot give up Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. No one can reject him amongst these Vedanta and so forth. So they have to find a way to make him part of their group, then at least. We, we accept Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yes, Chaitanya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the greatest saint of all of India, we would say. Certainly of all of Bengal. There's no, there's no comparison. And in, in terms of the ecstasy that he displayed, there literally is no comparison cross-culturally with any person who is a better example of the embodiment of divine love of God and the power of, that's inherent in the name of God. So everybody, you know, has to Acknowledge that they just have to try to tweak them and make them part of their group, you know. He's in my body. Oh, we love him, you know. He's over here. <laughs> over there, they take him this way and that. So, but they take him one way or the other based on the hagiographies that are written about him by taking picking and choosing statements that they like, like this one. But if you take one, then you have to you agree with Chick Krishna's copyright who said this. Krishnadas Kaviraj said, Mahaprabhu said, oh, so you believe Krishnadas Kaviraj only when it's convenient or is his word good on everything that he said about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Krishnadas Kaviraj Kosami Mahasharai Kijai. So those are a few thoughts which take us just beyond the end of the hour that we have together every Sunday. So nice to be with you. I appreciate the question and the earnestness with, its, with which it was asked. I'm sure other devotees have had the question and so forth. I hope my answer has been helpful for that and other questions. As I am going to be here now for a few more days on Thursday. I'm going to depart and I will not be convenient for me to be on the call next Sunday. I haven't missed a call in 52 weeks, I think. So. <laughs> We're going to miss next Sunday. So let me know ahead of time. And I think Ananda Kumar will send out, send out a notice to everyone in that regard. But the following week, I will be hopefully available. Jai. That's good. Jai. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, Gurudev Ki. Jai. Um, thank you <laughs> for being with us. Uh, thanks, everyone. Let me make some announcements. So just to repeat again. There's going to be no Swami call next Sunday. Um, let me open my email like I should have earlier. Let me stop the recording. Stop this.